Welcome to Behind the Brands. So, you found us. <laughs> well done, you. Our little podcast all about the fashion industry. Let me just tell you about the host and the creator of this podcast. The guy's from the UK and his name is Warren Parker Mills. Warren's literally worked with some of the best people in the business and met some incredible brands along the way. Now he feels it's time to kind of do things a little differently. He'll be catching up with amazing storytellers from across the globe as they share some of those unwritten secrets that they've managed to figure out for themselves. From brands you'll recognize to small artisan creators that have mastered their craft. You'll hear about their collections, sales, and their ongoing quest for sustainability. So if you're an aspiring designer, an influencer, or just a massive fan of listening to fascinating conversation, stay right where you are. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Brands podcast. For anyone that's new or has never heard any of these shows before, hello, and my name is Warren. I'm the host of the show. I'm also the founder and CEO of a company called BeforeStores.com, which I will be telling you a little bit more about in a forthcoming show. So stick around for that. In today's episode, I'm talking to Alana Redrick from the startup brand Trikind. Alana has worked at both ends of the fashion industry. She's worked for a luxury brand and she's also done a little bit of a stint in fast fashion as well. So she got a little bit despondent with both of those sectors. So she packed a bag and she went traveling. And this is a great story because it just shows if you can absorb as much information as you can, you can go ahead and you can create your own fashion brand. So that's exactly what she's done. As I say, the brand's called Trikind. She's bringing it to market through a Kickstarter campaign. I hope you enjoy this and uh, yeah, let's just jump in and let's listen to Alana's story. Hi Alana, how are you today? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm very well, thank you very much. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for hopping on the podcast. Um, I want to talk to you about your brand and a little bit more about what you're up to at the moment. So your brand's Trikind. Um, do you want to give the audience a little bit of an overview of what you're up to and a little bit about the brand and, and more specifically what you're up to with regards to uh, taking it to market, shall we say? Yeah, sure. Um, thank you for having me firstly. So, yes, the brand is called Trikind Clothing and we have recently launched our Kickstarter, I think about two weeks ago now. Um, and basically the brand itself is a mixture of humankind, earth kind and creature kind. So we're not just socially conscious or uh, sustainable or vegan. We're actually all three, which is our main focus. Cool. And we basically create ethical and sustainable underwear and loungewear. Cool. Um, and right now we've launched our Kickstarter um, and we've made this beautiful fashion film. And um, we've got an introductory video and we've kind of built this through one and a half years of working in the field, building a supply chain in India. So it's been a bit of a wild ride (laughs) and I can kind of explain my story as we go along. But um, yeah, TriKind is is ready and should be launching in um, the next few months, which is really exciting. Fabulous. So it's it's basically underwear and loungewear. Is that right? Is that how it was? That That's it? right. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's so right. why TriKind then? So can break down the how, how you came about the name. Where did the name come from? Sure. So I wanted, as I said, I wanted it to be three um, 
three different branches. I wanted it to be socially conscious, sustainable and vegan. Mm. Um, and I, I was thinking, you know, I want these three things to be really core and really key in our marketing and, and what we do and everything, basically. So we founded TriKind because Tri also means three, of course. Yeah. So we've done Humankind, where we focus all of our energies on creating the supply chain that's kind to the women who make the clothes, the people who wear the clothes, um, all of the artisans. And we also give back to a women's empowerment charity. So that's wow. a hu- human kind. And then we have um, the earth kind aspect, which means that we use organic rain fed cotton. We give back to a waste and tree planting charity. All of our dyes are completely natural, so they don't harm the water source. Yeah. Um, and then creature kind, uh, our third one means that we're completely cruelty free. We're vegan. We don't obviously we're organic, so we don't use pesticides, which harms uh, little insects. Yeah. And we also give back to an animal charity in India as well. So there are three things that combine under the big brown umbrella tribe. Wow. Okay. Well, it sounds really comprehensive. Sounds like you've scoped it out well and truly there. So thank you. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your background, because I mean, obviously speaking to you now, it's you've kind of got the you've got your elevator pitch nailed, as we say. Um, <laughs> what? what how did you start? What? Where, where, what's your background look like, Alana? What, what were yeah. you doing previously? <laughs> so, I think. Like many little girls, I've, I was kind of always interested in dressing up and playing with Barbies, playing shoe shops or whatever. And I think I always knew I wanted to work in fashion. Yeah. Um, and so I worked in retail for a, for a while and I just knew that I wanted to do something more. I wanted to really like do the styling and I wanted the glamour <laughs> and I wanted I wanted the devil wears Prada, basically. <laughs> I wanted that that um, luxury feel. So I went and I worked in um, I worked in a luxury head office for okay. a while yeah. and I I learned a lot and I, I did really enjoy it. But I think for me, the the thing was that it wasn't as creative as I'd hoped and it wasn't particularly ethical considering you're paying such high prices. Yeah. Um, so that kind of shocked me quite a lot. Um, and then I continued kind of learning. I was also studying fashion business at the time and I decided to go and work in fast fashion head office to kind of get more creativity and more of a fast pace and of course I kind of had a feeling that it was going to be unethical but I thought maybe the aspect of creativity would play a part in me enjoying the job role more so I went and I did again I loved it you know actually fast fashion was an amazing place to work you know uh, going to the different fashion shows and mm. talking to bloggers, getting free products and <laughs> everything. Like 90% of the, the job I absolutely loved. But um, the thing that really, that really kind of bugged me was that I would have to take calls to China and India mm. and Sri Lanka and Bangladesh where I would say to them, you know, we need this price. My boss was telling me I need this price. And I, I knew that this wasn't right because mm. then the the factories would come back and just say, look, you know, we can't, we can't get this price without uh, not paying someone or cutting someone's costs or, you know, they have to cut corners. And I was like, well, if you don't get this, mm. then we're going to cancel the order. And mm. that's what the power of these fast fashion houses have. So I started, it started to really bother me to mm. be honest with you. And, and at the point where I was like, I can't really be involved with this anymore. I felt very hypocritical. Um, knowing what I knew. So I, I gave up, um, which is maybe a little bit crazy. 
I went traveling, <laughs> which was amazing. And I learned a lot. So I traveled around India for a year and a half and um, I loved it. So I, I kind of based my traveling around different parts of the supply chain in a sense. So mm. the first the first place I went was a women's empowerment center that teaches women English, maths, Hindi and self-defense. Um, and they've come from vulnerable backgrounds. So they learn these skills. And then once they've learned them, they can then go on to learning sewing. And once they graduate from sewing, they get given a um, sewing machine and they can choose whether to work in the sewing center at the charity or they can go and do their own thing um, using the entrepreneurial skills that they've provided to them. So I worked mm. with them. I, beautiful, absolutely beautiful experience. And yeah. I thought this is this is how fashion should be. You know, the women want to be there. It's their passion and it's their livelihood. So from there, I then went to um, a zero waste kind of distribution center where I learned about how to minimize waste, biodegradable, mm. creating a circular economy. Incredible. Um, kind of playing to that earth kind <laughs> value yeah. there. And, and then from there, I went down right to the south of India and I went to um, organic cotton fields and learned how that all works and how um how it's like how the crop works and how long it takes and yeah. all the intricate details um and someone was telling me you know what the dyes are what's the problem so i then went down to kerala to this tiny village um and in india each village is kind of separated out into different things that they make so you'll have a whole village that makes i don't know toilet paper <laughs> and you have a whole village that makes um you know a tiny fastening for your jeans or something so it's yeah. very specific yeah so I went I went to this little village uh where they make this dye which is called ayavastra and the dye is made from holistic herbs and um weeds and mud and coffee and basically all natural resources that they had in their back garden and I had to walk through a jungle to get there. And my tuk-tuk went to go. It was a complete adventure. But I got there. And it was this artisanal family who has been doing this for hundreds of years. Mm. They know so much. And wearing these beautiful dyes can, um, can benefit, you know, your immunity and your radiance oh, wow. and your um, relaxation. And it, it can really have a positive effect. So I learned a lot from that. Mm. And then Finally, I kind of compacted all of these experiences I had and I wrote a business plan and I was like, I have to do this. There's, I don't have any other option now. I have a responsibility to spread my knowledge and do something that is kind. So try kind started. Wow, gosh, that's some story. So you literally went from a luxury. I mean, you've, you've, in effect, what you've done there is encapsulated two massive parts of the industry the whole luxury side and what everything sorry the way that that represents itself in the industry and then the fast fashion and then you said th you said to yourself right I'm off and you went off to <laughs> India and you literally got down and dirty with it all and literally went out and saw the other side of, of the coin shall we say so were people asking you when you when you were visiting these these places and everything else I mean what was the response like were they quite welcoming was what was the reaction to you like Oh, I mean, well, first start, Indian people are lovely um, and they're always very excited to share their skills. And, and especially if you're not from there, you know, it's all about that. But I think they were a little bit confused, especially <laughs> when I went to the dye center in um, in Kerala, in the south of India, where I mean, it's a tiny village. Not many people visit and mm. 
um, I think they were just a bit confused, like I got on the wrong bus or something. <laughs> but um, when I when I arrived, I mean, they were keen to share that. They were keen to share their knowledge. But I mean, I mean, it was just so unbeaten and I um, such an unbeaten track. Like no one had ever been there, really. And no. I think it's really sad because this these are artisans that know so much and actually can make such a massive impact to the world. Mm. But it's kind of a forgotten trade. And I think them sharing with me actually gave them a bit of inspiration. Like, oh, actually, people are interested. It's not just a small community. It's, it's other people. Yeah. And that was quite uplifting. Um, and that's kind of why I almost felt, you know, after doing all of this, I felt such a responsibility because, you know, it's almost like I'm kind of just putting their stuff out there. It's not even me. It, it's them, you know, and I yeah. want to showcase this to the world because, they're all incredible people with such a knowledge of their exact skill. It's, it's amazing. Mm. And what was the language? But was there any language barrier there? Did you have any problems? <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, I can speak very basic Hindi, but, um, you know, in every aspect, uh, in every region of India, um, they have a different dialect yeah. or a different, completely different language. So even them down in Kerala, they don't speak Hindi. Uh, so it was a lot on Google Translate and a lot of, you know, fabric and showing my hands fabric or or um, mouthing like certain things and pointing. I mean, it was it was a challenge. Fashion but Shiraz, it was pretty... is that what it was? Yes, yeah. it basically was that. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's incredible. So obviously you went round, you saw you saw the work in, in progress. And then was it at that point that you thought when I get back, I want I want to do something with this? I think, I mean, to be honest, this has always been a dream. Right. Like I've always wanted to own my own brand, yeah. but I think it's kind of evolved through the years where I was like, I want to own a luxury brand. Mm. I want to own a, you know, be a high flying fashion buyer for fast fashion. And then it was like, well, I really want to own my own brand, but I want to do it right. So it always been kind of at the back of my mind. But after doing that, I was like, now is the time. I mean, I think a lot, a lot of people can relate to to saying oh I know I need more research now's not the right time mm. I need to have more experience I need more money or whatever it is and you know you can procrastinate for so long but I think actually now is the time because it's it's things are changing in the fashion industry and obviously with the climate change and with um you know awful things happening like the Rana Plaza incident mm. you kind of feel like well, what am I waiting for? So I, I thought, no, I just need to go for it. Mm. Just go for it. And I think actually many people should just go for it, to yeah, be honest, yeah. and see how it goes. And what about, the, what about the setup there? Because, I mean, it sounds as if it's quite, when you said it's quite rural, I mean, I completely get that. Yeah. I completely understand that. But, you, you know, logistically, I mean, these are the guys and girls that you want to work with ongoing with Trikind. Is that right? So that you, that you want to support yeah. their industry and, and obviously take that to market on their behalf and your behalf, obviously. Is the infrastructure in place for you to be able to do that? Or have you had to, how have you got around, or how, how are you anticipating getting around that? Yeah, so, um, I mean, obviously in Kerala, where the dye centre is, that is tricky. Mm. But I think with the other suppliers, uh, like the one, like the organic farms, where, you know, I think it's, I want to say it's about one third of organic cotton is grown in that region. So they're very yeah. used to, yeah. used to transporting it and, and, and managing that. And then, of course, we're going to have um, a factory, which is an eco factory in Bangalore that I actually met while I was working in the zero waste center. 
um, and they manage these kinds of things. So they're very well connected. And it kind of just ha so happens, I didn't really plan it this way, mm. that all of my suppliers that are involved in the supply chain are actually very, <laughs> in terms of India geography, right. they're not actually that far. Um, so I think having these contacts that ha are used to it mixed with some maybe new suppliers, they can kind of collaborate, even though that they may be with different languages, yeah. they kind of understand the culture and I think they will collaborate. And of course they all want to be part of it too. So I think when you have that power of like wanting to be part of something and actually really believing in the product, yeah. I think things tend to actually end up coming together somehow. Wow. Cool. Okay. So you did your plan, you've done your business plan. And then you thought, I mean, what happened then? Did you think to yourself, right, how can I make this happen? How can I take this to the next stage? What was your thought process there, Alana? Well, I actually wrote my business plan in um, a beautiful place, uh, which is very inspiring in the Himalayas of India. <laughs> and um, I, it was just super inspiring to be there because there's a lot of entrepreneurs there as well and um, people from all around the world. So I kind of cracked down, wrote the business plan and then finished the business plan and the pandemic happened. Mm. So then I was like, okay, well, I have to come back to England. So I came back to England and that's when things started to really actually uh, fall into place. So the first thing I did was I got my logo done um, and then uh, just like, you know, sharing your ideas with people um, kind of propels you more. Okay, now I need to get the designer on board. Mm. So I got a designer on board, which I happened to meet on International Women's Day, which I just thought was beautiful. Yeah. And then, and then we, I got, um, then I, you know, I messaged all the suppliers, and they they were very excited. And so it kind of just snowballed from there. Yeah. Um, and actually, although the pandemic has been such a challenge, I think the fact that I'm kind of wanting, um, it makes me more kind of work to. A, a shorter time scale because I'm like well things are going to take longer so I have to do things now to get ahead if mm. you see what I mean mm. so in a sense it pushed me further to do it yeah yeah I mean I can just hear yeah. in your voice you are a self-motivated person do you know what I mean I can just hear that you just get on and do it you know which is wonderful to hear it's funny because when we had our conversation a few days ago you know I kind of left that call and I was thinking she is like Dora the Explorer, you know, she just goes out, she's gone out, <laughs> she's, she's broken down all those walls and everything else and she's just doing it, which is great. But yeah, and you know, that enthusiasm is wonderful. I think for you, what is really good is the fact that you do have an understanding of what the industry is about from a buying point of view and from a commercial point of view. It's just how you take it to the next stage. So you thought about the Kickstarter as, a, as an option. Why? What was it about Kickstarter that you thought actually that that why are you doing Kickstarter? That's my point. Why are you doing Kickstarter as okay. opposed to just raising some money yourself and then just just doing it that way? Well, I've already invested quite a lot of my own savings involved as well. So I think the Kickstarter is more of just like a final boost mm -hmm. to the campaign. Um, Starting an ethical brand is a little tricky uh, compared to, say, a normal brand that uses um, fast fashion models or luxury models because uh, we pay up front for our stock. Yeah. So that's where it gets a bit expensive. Now, once I'm running, I think obviously it'll be a bit less expensive. So I really need that injection of cash because I want to pay and I want to responsibly pay and fairly pay. Mm the workers um for their work which i think is fair yeah, right yeah, so yeah. Um, so the kickstarter is actually really the money is really going towards stock and just marketing the product um, and i thought kickstarter was a great way of uh raising money but also spreading awareness because it's a platform in itself it's basically its own social media mm. um so 
I think it really gets across what we're doing. Yeah. It shows that we're focused on a triple bottom line approach, not just profit, but also the people and the planet. So it, it portrays that. And um, I think, you know, I think it, it gets people involved. I want this, this business to be accessible for, for all women, all shapes and sizes, all ages, all races. I want everyone to be involved. And I think Kickstarter actually embodies mm. that because, you know, anyone can be involved. You can invest one pound, you can invest 300. It doesn't matter. You're all part of it. And you're all kind of helping us to grow and spreading positivity. I think that that's a really nice way to raise funds. Yeah. And has it been difficult to set up? I mean, I mean, there may be people listening to this podcast that just think I've got a great idea for a brand, you know, whether it's clothing or accessories or jewellery or whatever. And to be fair, when I look at Kickstarter, the, there is so many people doing it. What, what's been kind of the, the challenges or, or what kind of things have you had to overcome to kind of get yourself above the noise as such? Oh, it's, it is. I mean, anyone, yes, you're right. Anyone can set it up. But I think the, the challenge there is actually making a dip, like making a splash, mm. you know, making standing yourself away from the crowd. Um, I think the challenge for me was all the preparation. I mean, in my mind, I thought, oh, you know, maybe a lot of people like this. Oh, Kickstarter. I can do this in a week. Fine. Absolutely not. I'm telling you this now. You cannot. It's, it's, it's a good, I would say, month challenge of really like nailing it all down and as well consumers don't want to read through your 28 page business plan or however long mm. you want to, to give them the basic simple message and that's what the challenge is so that's why we did a big video campaign mm. which is like a fashion film um which was shot on a pouring down rainy day i think it was a storm <laughs> and you know we were shooting in the nature with like lots of models and and a cinematographer and a set. i mean it was a big crew and it was just insane yeah um and then we also did like a pitch like story video so i think the key thing for kickstarter is to prepare have a video and keep at it and that's kind of what i'm kind of having the challenge of now is to keep it going because the initial influx of people really excited about it at the beginning yeah yeah is great but maintaining that interest is the challenge and um i think if you prepare and you create yourself a big list of all your network and how you're going to do it. That's great. But I think, yeah, the real key thing that is preparation. Mm. Preparation is key. Mm. And, yeah. and like you say, keeping the momentum going, because I mean, it's a bit like when, yeah. if you open a bricks and mortar store, you know, you have that honeymoon period where you open your doors and everybody's excited and they come around and they have a look and then, you know, it doesn't take long for the momentum to kind of dwine a little <laughs> bit. Um, yeah. and, and just, you know, just commitment and just pace and just energy around trying to keep the ball going you know is, is very difficult Absolutely. at times so has it been difficult would you say to sell the concept because that's what you're doing you're not actually selling a physical product yet are you um have how's that how have you found that have you had many people come back and say well what exactly is it or I mean, do you think you hit all points with regards to your messaging i mean i've seen your video it looks great but do you think most people have understood exactly what you're about Yes, I think people, I do think people understand. And I think actually what's quite good at the moment is I think people are looking at changing and evolving because of the pandemic. Mm. People are starting to reassess what they buy or how they live. So that kind of plays in my favor. So people understand the concept. People do want change. There's been lots of documentaries, um, David Attenborough recently or this, um, the, the True Cost. 
Mm. Um, and lots of books as well are amazing. So there are a lot of resources that kind of back up everything that we're doing. So that's great. I think the difficulty, yeah, is not having a product. We have, um, we do have some upcycled kimonos that are as uh, on the Kickstarter as a reward. Okay. Um, and this was made by the Women's Empowerment Center in India. So we do have those. But we have minimal because, um, as I said, we have to use this money to buy the stock. So that is a challenge. But I think because we have the beautiful video, people can visualize what they're going to be funding. And actually, in the end, I think people will feel like they're kind of almost part of that whole process, which is nice. It's inclusive. Um, The the challenge really (laughs) was actually in the fashion film okay shooting the um shooting the product because we only had one sample that's the secret don't tell me right. <laughs> we only had one sample just told um, <laughs> we only had one we only had one uh indigo bra and um and pair of underwear yeah. because we this was just a sample we had so in a in a sense i was like oh how are we ever going to do this yeah. but actually what proved to me was that the models are quite obviously it's only one size but the models are quite petite quite tall different builds slightly curvy and actually it fit them all very well right um even though they were different shapes and sizes so it kind of was almost like oh this is the reassurance i need that actually this does look amazing on everyone's body so good very good so when you say that i mean obviously you've got different sizes what's your size kind of um ratios look like how does that work yeah so we have for the bottoms, we have um, just uh, extra small, uh, medium, extra small, small, medium, large, extra large. Mm-hmm. But for the bras, which obviously what you have to account for the cup size mm-hmm. and also your uh, width of your body, um, we go up to essentially we have our own size uh, guide, but we go up to about a double a, a double F, okay. I think yeah. it is. So it's quite broad. Yeah. Um, and that's purposely done so that it's accessible yeah. for all different shapes and sizes. Yeah. Um, and also it's meant to, we want it to be really comfy. So we're not actually, we're using minimal fastenings and adjustments because we find that it's quite uncomfortable to wear that. And we, we don't use wire or anything like this. And we obviously don't use any chemicals. So we want it to be sexy, but also very comfortable and nourishing of your body. Like the dyes, they work their magic with nourishing your body, but also the shapes that we've designed as cool. well good and where will you go well, i mean obviously you're going to get that produced where will you go after that how are you going to develop the range how are you going to build on that so right now the range is the three ranges um that follow the three humankind earth kind and creature kind for the humankind uh branch we have the reassuring set so that's kind of the comfy sunday morning I don't want to get out of bed vibe. <laughs> um, and that's just one range. <laughs> and then there's the other range is um, for the earth kind is uh, dyed with neem. And this is like a traditional kind of bikini style mm. and traditional brief. Um, and uh, again, that's just for like your everyday wear. Don't want to, you don't want to think about what you're wearing right now. You have too many things on your to-do list. Just throw it on. You're comfy. You get on with your day. That's the, that kind of feel and then the third one is the daring one. So maybe you have like a big day or you have a date mm. or you uh, have a job interview and you want to like feel really empowered by um, what you're wearing. Mm. So this daring one um, does that. It's bright pink and it's quite sexy as well. Mm. Um, so those are the three kind of ranges. And we also have uh, pajamas under those ranges as well, okay. uh, which follow that similar vibe. But um, 
after that, we'd love to branch out into more different colors and different feelings. Um, because with these colors, you know, the pink daring one, satin can boost your radiance and confidence. And with your indigo one, uh, the reassuring one, it can relax your mind. And um, it's meant to be similar to like, the feeling of lavender, you know, it's like kind yeah. of comforting. Yeah. And then with your comfy classic one, you have the um, have neem, which is meant to be immunity boosting. So all three have different feelings and different um, effects. And I'd love to run with that and go into different. I mean, there are so many different dyes yeah. that you could use. You, know, they, you have coffee and they have, um, you know, bright a pomegranate and all these different things. So they all have different effects. And we'd love to branch out and do more eventually once we've launched. Yeah, that sounds really cool. It's great, actually, that you've got that you've got that thread going through it. And I suppose it's the challenge then is, is educating your customers on purchase, you know, just to make sure that they, they're buying it for the right reasons. Looking at a product, you can say, I love it. I'm going to buy it. Great. But to get the additional add-on, knowing that potentially it's going to do something for you, which is great. Um, that's, that's a really nice piece. That's a really, really good piece. But the, the thing is, is that, and I think this is so unknown, is that, um, you know, your skin is the largest organ in your body. And, people spend hundreds of pounds on like a really nice moisturizer or a face cream or whatever, because they want to nourish their skin. But what they don't realize is actually what by wearing polyester or cheap cottons or any type of chemical dye, you know, these have alder carbon petrol in them mm -hmm. that can cause reproductive issues and cancer mm. and all these types of horrible things. So actually it's really important that people are educated and know what they're putting on their body and the dyes they're putting on their body. And that's, partly one of the reasons we went with the ayurvastra diet yeah no it's great and what kind of price points will you be at with those products uh, it's, it's quite a large range of prices so we're gonna enter in around uh 14 mm -hmm. pounds just for the little briefs but we'll be going up to um about 52 pounds for like a pajama full pajama set right. which is like that longer length indigo set yeah. um but in between that, I think most of our underwear is between about 14 pounds and about 20 pounds. And then you can buy a set or you can mix and match or same with the pajamas. You can buy a set or you can buy them singly as well. Cool. That sounds great. So your campaign's gone live now. And hopefully when people are listening to this, they can still chip into the pot, as we say. They can dig your um, your video out and see what we you're do. up to. <laughs> so when, yeah. when does it actually close then, Alana? When's, when's the campaign close? Yeah, it, it finishes on December 8th. Okay. So uh, get your early Christmas presents in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, and uh, I don't want to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it because it is important. You know, what happens if you can't raise the 7,000? Because with Kickstarter, invariably, if, if you can't raise the, the amount, that's right, it's, it is 7,000 that you're going for on the, on the campaign. Yeah, that's right. What yeah, happens yeah. if you don't hit that and you can't, obviously, I mean, we, what will you do? What's plan B look like? Yeah, so it's a good question. I mean, I don't want to think about it. No. <laughs> of course, I have a plan B. But I think right now I'm so focused on doing it. Yeah. I kind of feel like right now it's all or nothing. So all my hard work's going into yeah. it. But of course, yes, you do have to have a plan B, especially right now. It's super difficult to get people to part with their money mm -hmm. because of the pandemic and the economy and everything like this. So it's probably not the best time to launch it. I think obviously I'm not going to give up. There are other ways. There are other sources. There are grants. There are... Mm. Um, loans you can do there are like incubators and stuff that where you you do networking and then they give you an exchange for something else so there are different there are different ways to do things and obviously i won't give up mm. i'll make it work i don't want to 
stop doing this. As I said, I feel a responsibility to all the people that I've had got involved. I mean, I've already had a supplier talk to me about very worried about the pandemic. They're really struggling in India. Mm. And I, I feel like, okay, this is why I have to get this done by like December 8th, because these guys, I don't know, you know, maybe they won't survive without, um, without investment, without people placing orders because people are holding back and that's just horrible. Yeah. And if you, if you can, if you can do what you can do, uh, I, if you can raise this money and place the orders, you have to, I, I just, I feel like it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be fair to them, mm. you know? Mm. So um, I, I'll make it work. Yeah, it'll, it'll I, I, I don't doubt <laughs> that in any way. I mean, it is, it's a very valid point actually about suppliers. And I think the pandemic has been, a huge hit obviously to to the high street and retail in generally and and i think there have been businesses which will need to go back to those suppliers next year and they will have to obviously put new orders in and hopefully everything will get back on track i do worry myself about you know people putting pressure on those factories and suppliers because i don't want people going back to those guys and putting pressure on them to come down with their prices even more going back to our early point your your early point should i say about having to negotiate and push and push and push you know we've got to we've got to stop this we've got to stop this um downward spiral of of people going back just on price just on price we've got to recoup the money we lost last year in 2020 so we're going to hammer you guys even harder you know we've got to change that we really really do and that's something that i feel really strongly about so but the proof is in the pudding you know we need we need the brands to be more responsible and to have more discipline with regards to doing business with the factories but we also need the consumer to be more educated and more conscious about how they're buying product and having that story that you guys have got and and doing it in the way that you're doing it i genuinely believe and again i've not seen any product in real life but i i I can see what you're up to and the messaging is strong and the product looks great and you know you will get it you will get that money one way or another i don't doubt it in any way (laughs) at all thank you Um, (laughs) that's a word of confidence for me (laughs) so just, just on that i mean I know we've touched on it earlier. I mean, what it's what would you say you would what kind of advice would you give somebody coming into the fashion industry? Um, would you suggest that they need to to get their feet under the table of working with some brands first? Or what's what's your thoughts on that, Alana? Because that's the route that you took. Yeah, I think it, I think that's definitely helpful. I mean, and also it's super fun. Mm. Like I, I, I mean, I, I almost recommend it just because getting that experience is, is amazing. It's so interesting. And, and there's so many aspects you don't even think of, you know, like all the shooting for e-commerce or, you know, the actual visual merchandising of putting stuff in the window and making it look really beautiful. There's so much that you can learn from all these things. And obviously that's benefited me setting up this business. Mm-hmm. It's helped me a lot. And actually studying fashion at, at university has helped me a lot as well, whether it's just having the knowledge or also the network. Um, I don't think it's absolutely necessary that you have experience. I do feel like anyone can mm. do it, especially if they have an eye for something or a really great idea. Um, but I do think it's important that you have a network that can support you. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important to to prepare and not just jump in. You know, you have to prepare. You have to do a business plan. You have to consider all aspects of it. You know, it's not just the product, but the marketing, human resources, the operations, the supply chain, the lead times, all of these things are major things. And that's why it takes, you know, small businesses a long time to to really get on their feet. Mm. So 
anyone can do it just prepare just be have your network behind you and I think um and really yeah as I said just prepare just do research I think that's really the key thing yeah. here research that can that can branch out into all things and actually that can lead to having a network if you do research because you can send people your your proposals and they can help you mm. um if, especially in ethical fashion we're, we're I'm, I feel so lucky to work in ethical fashion because having worked in fast fashion and luxury people are nice you know but it is a bit cutthroat mm. at mm. times and um and ethical fashion it's not everyone wants to help each other and collaborate and, and spread the positivity so actually i'm so glad because it's it's an open door for anyone yeah. really and um you have these amazing webinars and podcasts like this that can that can give you so much information about marvelous. it marvelous good thank you for the compliment as well i appreciate that <laughs> um, so i wish you a tremendous amount of luck i really do and i'm going to be keeping my eyes on on how you guys get on regardless to whether or not you hit your budget but i'm sure you will um obviously in the show notes i'll put all the details in i'll put a link to your little video so people can see that but in the meantime how can people contact you then alana what's the best way for them to get in touch sure so they can follow our instagram it's um the handle is trykind underscore clothing or on facebook trykind clothing or we also have our kickstarter page if you just type in trykind clothing on there it'll come up um and then lastly if you want to email us you're welcome to that is info at trykindclothing.com um and we will be so eager to hear anyone's feedback or interest or anything that they're doing or any advice they need i love to hear about it so yeah feel free to contact good me. lovely <laughs> all right well listen you get on you do what you've got to do and um all the very best i really do wish you well and um yeah let's talk soon and i'm looking forward to seeing some product thank you so much for having no me thanks bye Massive thanks there to Alana. I'm just so impressed with her go-to attitude. It's brilliant to hear. So there you have it. That was Alana and her brand Trikind. So don't forget, guys, please check out her Kickstarter campaign. If you can support, that would be amazing. I know she'd be grateful. Absolutely so, so grateful. And also, if you can't support financially, then don't forget, you can always share this episode. It'll help me out and also help her get her story out into the wider world. So do what you can do. We really both appreciate it. And next time I talk with Alexandra Ortiz, the co-founder of a wonderful business called Creativo Design Studio. These guys are based in Brooklyn in New York and they set up their trend, print and design business back in the last global recession back in 2008. So Alexandra and the team really understand what we're all going through at the moment. I have to say we had a great conversation about her business and how we all need to adapt moving forward into the future. So I'll see you next time. Have a great week. Take care. Bye-bye. Behind the Brands was brought to you in association with beforestores.com. Go check it out. You can discover new brands, meet the makers and their products before they go into stores. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to leave us a review. We'd really appreciate your feedback. You can also subscribe for future episodes by tapping the follow button wherever you get your podcasts. So, until next time, keep learning, keep listening, and keep creative.